race car. I declare bankruptcy. Bears beats Battlestar Galactica. Depression. Isn't that just a fancy word for feeling bummed out? Dwight, you ignorant slut. Not only the years we've been at war, but from the moment as a child when we realized that the world could be conquered. You're listening to Great Scott, The Office Podcast. My name is Jay Ray. With me, my desk mate, Jacob. <laughs> You're tra- trying to chain all that inner WWE going on right there? Yeah. Shane McMahon has this stupid thing where he comes out and he gets this dude on the side to do like the freaking get ready to rumble voice, but like announcing him. Mm-hmm. I think it's actually a... Uh, conspiracy to take over Google search words because he's referring to himself as the best in the world. That used to be CM Punk's motto. Um, So I think they're trying to make it. So when you search WWE best in the world, CM Punk will stop showing up and it'll be Shane McMahon. (laughs) But we'll see. (laughs) Um, Yeah. What's up, man? Oh, not much. This is actually sort of a big show. It's Uh, Father's Day. So happy. Happy Father's Day to all of you. It's my wife's birthday, and it's our three-year anniversary podcast. Uh, Boy, how time certainly flies when the show you love gets worse and worse every (laughs) two weeks. (laughs) That's not so bad. No, I got to say, well, it's interesting that we're talking about these episodes today because one of these episodes has uh, kind of a big dad storyline in it. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, And... Yeah, I don't know. I, I was in the mood today, so I feel ways about these episodes that I think will be surprising to some of the people who co-host this show, let's just say. Well, just, yeah, and for all the people who've been with us since day one, thanks, and those who are just coming along, thank you too. We, uh, we appreciate y'all. Yeah, if this is your first episode, uh, you may need to go back. If this is your uh, first episode, why are you starting on episode 67 or whatever? Yeah. <laughs> yeah i know at least wait two more episodes till it's a funny episode number you know but mm, that's a good question what is episode 69 i don't know but I don't, uh, yeah it's too bad we won't be covering any uh of kevin's ramen noodles <laughs> let's see Da-da. that will be dwight's dwight christmas and lice will be episode 69 hmm not lots not of bad episodes yep okay uh yeah but we are here to talk about the office and we're here to talk about two specific uh season nine episode five here comes trouble directed by claire scanlon yep gate yeah Mm -hmm. and written by owen ellickson Ellickson. guys fix your names okay white people names only okay look at jacob white guy name i don't hey ray i'm bad i'm bad at white people names too i'm just bad (laughs) in general that's fair it oddly enough this is another like kind of iconic cold open yeah for how late it is in the series with dwight he decided to play a prank on aaron where he puts a jack-o'-lantern on his head Mm -hmm. and it goes on but it doesn't come off yeah was it just to prank aaron that's what he says. Like, I never should have played that stupid prank on Aaron. Got it, yeah. Well, so, uh, what, and what does he stick around his head? Goat butter to, like, lube it up, essentially? Uh, I don't remember. I just remember him saying, like, it, that they had put some, like, butter on his head and it went on fine. Yeah, it doesn't say on the wiki either. Uh, but essentially, that Jack Leonard is stuck on his head and he tries to live his life the best he can. Right, because but- they realize that, like, 
you know, if they try to like hit it off with a baseball bat, he'll, you know, it'll kill him. Which I mean, not for nothing. The two solutions that Jim has is stab it with a knife, a very long knife and hit it as hard as you can with the baseball bat. Oh, of course. Cause Jim is pranking him. <laughs> right. And either of those solutions obviously would probably. Oh yeah. It could have been more careful. You get a, a short knife or like a Dremel tool and you take that thing off. No problem. Yeah. Definitely take a power tool to someone's fragile pumpkin covered head. It's a big enough pumpkin. Just don't get too deep. Monster. Um, but it's a good one. And Dwight decides that he's just going to wait till it rots off, which I'll yeah. look at that. Day. He's like, and he just like accepts his life and keeps going about it. Like whatever. I've got a pumpkin on my head. Yeah. Um, and he's got like, you know, he lives in a place with like moves and everything else where no one's going to bat an eye. No. Yeah. Just, just the casual fall autumn something. <laughs> um, all right. So the shtick of this episode here is, well, it's Halloween. Mm-hmm. Hence the pumpkin. Our last Halloween episode ever. Yeah. And um, Pam is dressed up as Cinderella, Dr. Cinderella. Dr. Cinderella, because she wants positive female role models for her daughters, Mm -hmm. her daughter. Right, because she's into princesses, so let's like tweak it a bit so that they're not just damsels in distress, but you know. Right, right. Um, Jim is not dressed up, however, though he claims to be one of the men in black. Right, even though he's not wearing any black. No, and I think his shirt was not all white either. Like, he didn't even have one part of the ensemble, correct? Uh, well, he is like his shirt and tie were like a dark blue. Yeah, right, yeah. He didn't have the sunglasses. <laughs> and none of the cool toys. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so he actually has a lunchtime meeting with the folks from Philly for athlete. Is it still athlete or is it athlete right now? Oh, well, I think it ends as athlete, so it must be athlete. Right. Yeah. But um, it's kind of a big meeting. It seems like it's the first time he's meeting the people who aren't his friend. Right. Um, and it seems like he's prepared to offer a financial investment so that he mm-hmm. could get in on the ground floor, right? Right. And Right. And that's so – but Pam is writing it pretty, pretty heavily, as, as she should. Yeah, right. she's been mad for the past it, it, four episodes or something. Is this like, do you have a costume you haven't told anyone else about? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that whole thing over and over and over again. Yeah, so she is mad. Um, Jim is still like thinking she's the best in the world. I mean, presumably she, I mean, that's a pretty good reaction considering how big a lie or lack of truth that he was sharing. Well, it only gets worse in this episode too. Like, it's one thing, okay, I was like, all right, Jim, you did this thing, you took this job. Your wife got pissed. Don't do anything like it again. Yeah. He turns around. It gives them 10 grand instead of the five that they had originally, uh, you know, settled on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, I know. Well, because, you know, my wife and I were talking about financial stuff and future plans. If when we can buy a house, how many dinosaurs should we adopt? Does it make sense to turn that house into a park for the dinosaurs, invite people to come along, that kind of thing. Right. As as one does. Yeah. And um, it just, yeah, it seems weird that it's, it seems unclear to one of those folks that there's not a specific number limit, you know? Well, I think it was supposed to be a specific number limit and Jim just kind of overrode it at the last second because he felt pressure. Yeah, I mean, because he's aware that there is right. 10,000 in saving. Right, he says something about later on about wanting to be a team player Yeah, and all that stuff. Yeah. And the other sort of B, a, I don't know, maybe the A storyline, depending on how you want to look at it, 
um, is Andy has invited Here Comes Trouble to the office. And this is when things really start breaking down because Broccoli Rob has been stealing all of Andy's mojo and Andy doesn't know how to handle it. Yeah, yeah. He um, Well, so it's interesting because Andy has been on this downslide for the past few like this whole season really has been like these like trip ups and stuff. You know, he's coming back from his weird drunk hobo thing in the previous season. Right. Um, he's like vindictive and angry at people, Nelly. Um, so he's just kind of on a weird path. And the, yeah, as you said, this is kind of the second to last tipping point for him. Right. Which we, re- we really see the last tipping point in the, in this episode. It carries over to the next episode, but it happens at the, at the end of this. Episode. Well, yeah, 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 that's true. Um, yeah, so here comes Trouble Class of 2012, or rather, at least students in the year of 2012 when this right. episode came out. Um, yeah, and so we find out throughout the course of the episode that um, because Broccoli Rob has been stealing these things, it's actually because he lives close to the Cornell campus. Right, and does he work there too? I'm not, I'm not sure. It wasn't super clear. I mean, it seems like he, like Andy, he's like constantly rocking Cornell stuff. Like it seems like he's wearing some type of red varsity sweater every time we see him. Right. And Played he, by Stephen Colbert, by the way. And he talks about like how he drops by like two to three times a week. Yeah. I, you don't watch Bob's Burgers, do you? Yeah. yeah. You know, Dr. Yap, when he goes back mm-hmm. to his old fraternity, it's kind of like that. Like he keeps Except- hopping in. His pictures are with people, you know. My uh, my wife made that exact same analogy. Yeah, uh, it is different though because uh, they're not a fraternity; they're an acapella group. So I don't really know what kind of like it, were, were Broccoli Rob and Andy like the only people who took it as seriously as they did, or does that seem to be like this pseudo pitch perfect world where right? Yeah, that's something we I was wondering about, but yeah, there was no pitch perfect came out a month before this episode. So I don't think it would have that much bearing on it. No, but it does seem like a deeper connection to, you know, you know, more of a fraternity like that. It does seem that way. Yeah, that's true. Um, well anyway, so they're there and, uh, and he's like having them sing and he secretly tells one of the talking head moments that he hopes that they don't sing faith. Right. Wouldn't it be crazy if they called me up to do a solo? (laughs) Yeah. Um, and he's dressed like George Michael from that music video. So, you know, he wants it. Um, and then what's the other storyline going on here? There's one more. Oh, it's small. Oh yeah. It's the, uh, Dwight is, he finds an antidepressant on the floor and he's trying to figure out who, um, who's using it. Yeah. He finds, Oh, cause he tells this joke. What's the joke he tells Aaron by the, uh, He's like, oh, well, Jim is leaving for his investor's lunch. Yeah. And he's like, oh, look, I'm eating you. It's nerds. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. And he does it with Aaron. And she's like, oh, no, God, stop. And she's like runs away, like holding herself like she's about to piss herself. Yeah. And he finds this antidepressant on the floor. Yeah. Now, I, w- when I saw it, I was wondering, is this the beginning also of Dwight um, being like, well, not the beginning, because we saw it on the, uh, whatever, what was that? Work, Work bus. bus? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, where Dwight starts to get like really, truly angry at Jim. And part of it is because he's leaving, right? Right. Like he's making this move for this other organization. And I feel like Dwight's going to feel left out. They don't Maybe. say this episode, but I think that's why he's being such a dick as Jim leaves, you know? 
But, but we also start to see, yeah, he's more of a dick to Jim, but we start to see him being nicer to to people, yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, and it is kind of, at least in my watching, is kind of um, hinted at that he did do the steps to get some medication. And yeah, it's, 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 it's cloudy because part of me feels like to, I don't know, like, does he have like a shady way to get them or like, did he look up the ingredients? He's like, Oh, I have all the ingredients on my farm. I can make that. <laughs> well, I, I, I kind of thought that he would have to at least go through some therapy for it. You know, well, that's what I'm saying. He's just making it himself, I guess. Yeah, um, I mean, I don't yeah. know. Well, it's always confusing how much time has passed between an episode and whatever it's ending is. Cause sometimes yeah. they're that day and it's all wrapped up. This is clearly not Halloween anymore. So has it been a week or whatever? Because Dwight has made it clear that he's not like super into medical care with his like people sneeze on my face immunity thing. Right. But I also think that he, he realizes that because he has this big thing. We're kind of jumping ahead, but whatever. Yeah. We're Uh, all over the place here. (laughs) He has this big moment with Nelly where he's like, you know, of course I have anxiety. I have my cousin Moe's in the form and idiot siblings, which is like the first time we know he's got siblings at all. Yeah. You know, and all this other stuff. He's like, it's crippling to wake up in the morning. Yeah. Uh, and I did, I did like that they handled it in a nice way. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, I definitely suffer from some anxiety disorders and, you know, so, you know, it's really good that they were, they were, they weren't just, making fun of it, I guess, that it's, it is a real thing people struggle with, you know? Yeah. yeah it's handled pretty delicately in terms of like an American sitcom. Right. Um, what's interesting to me about this storyline is how involved Nellie gets with this thing. I mean, one, it's her pill. So she feels the need to make sure that those tracks are being covered, but she's like dedicating quite a lot of time with Dwight to like follow this fake investigation and giving him fake hints. Like so far as to, you know, check if Daryl's crazy and he ends up smearing his whole face in peanut butter. Right trying to like get a sense of what Daryl's weird gauge is. Right. Right. And I think part of that's just, she wanted to screw with them, you know? Yeah. Well, in the next episode, she does the same thing. So it's just interesting that she's taking these like really long, like full day long pranks out on Dwight. Well, but we also know that she really doesn't do a whole lot. So she's probably bored. Right. Right. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. And we also see that she is dressed as sexy Toby. Yeah. So okay. So let's just let's just finish this Dwight storyline since we're we're deep into it. Okay. Um. So Nelly is in the same room. Toby comes. They spot each other, and she reveals, "Oh, I'm, what do you think?" Or whatever. Mm-hmm. So Toby makes this face. He gets close, close, almost nose to nose, and is staring her down. What is he thinking? Well, he definitely leans in for the kiss. See, that's that's what's confusing because I think that was maybe the intention, but I feel like Toby's got this like are you making fun of me face? You know, this Joe Pesci, do I look like a clown to you kind of face? <laughs> so I think he's obviously attracted to Nelly. You've seen that before. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also seems like maybe he is offended. And then later on, when he brings flowers to her and sees that she takes off the Toby cap, he gets mad. Like, I, don't, I just don't really understand. Well, I think he got mad at himself and that he like screwed it up because I mean, at least from my watching it, it seemed very much like he was into her I yeah mean, they're probably about the same age they're both you know she's not an attractive etc cetera, etc cetera. Right. i mean why would you dress as somebody you know was it a imitation is a severe sincerest form of flattery you know so yeah i can see get some mixed signals there and 
Yeah. Yeah. I just, like I said, I'm pretty sure that's what it was, but it's just, he looks like he's going to kill her and then he gets mad for some reason. And it's like, I mean, he starts to become not unhinged, but Toby does start to get a little nutso here because in the next episode too, we find out that there's this thing that's been eating him inside. Right. Well, see his, his getting upset. I read as him just going like stupid, stupid, stupid kind of upset, Mm -hmm. like upset at himself, not at her. Yeah, see, I thought maybe he was mad because he's like, it would have been super hot to bang myself, and now you took it off and you've ruined it. Uh, but well, maybe someone just took that a little too far. But maybe that's also a Paul Lieberstein issue. Like maybe that was not his best acting, so he is projecting confusing feelings. Yeah, I can see that. Well, yeah, so that happens. Da 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 da. That's that. That's Dwight. That's what they're spending their time doing. Happy right. For that uh, trio. Um. All right. Well. Yeah, so I guess we'll just go back to the gym stuff because that's not short too. We pretty much covered it. He goes on this meeting. Mm-hmm. He, uh, the investment is done, they say. There's right, no they don't even need any more money. Yeah. Please. So uh, you're, the, you're the adult here, Jacob. You know money. You always talk about taxes and IRAs mm-hmm. and um, things of the nature. Right. So they're done investing. What would that have meant for Jim? That would mean he still gets to work there and play the role that he was going to play before, but he would just not be eligible for like a large influx of income when... Right, he wouldn't have equity. Since he hadn't put any money into the business, he would have the job. But a lot of those jobs, you start up kind of things is they pay lower salaries in hopes of that big IPO or buy out or whatever, right. which essentially happens at the end of the season. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, there's a good chance that 10 grand turned into a couple million dollars for Jim. You know? Finally, the gold digger Pam gets what she wants. But I mean, it's also hard to say like how much he actually got from it because some people, because it was Jim's idea would give him a bit more equity because it is his idea. Yeah. But it's hard to say, but he probably owns like a half a percent of the company. Well, because that's the thing too. I mean, as the founders of the company, like don't you dictate out like quote unquote shares, even though it's not an idea. You do, but they also had, it sounded like they had some larger third party investors who would also be, you know, if they're large, bringing a lot of money, they're going to be setting that out. They said they were good for a year. Well, because that's the other thing too, because the 10 grand, the way I was reading that, you know, those group of guys or whatever, it sounds like to them 10,000 was actually a significant chunk of change. Like maybe he was going in pretty high with some of the larger investors. Maybe. Uh, I mean, 10 grand, I mean, especially that space in Philly, that's probably 10 to 20,000 a month to rent that space out. Yeah. So no one's looking at that stuff. I mean, (laughs) we don't even know what the budget is, right? Right. And that's a hard thing. So there isn't, it is really... We, they get really wishy-washy with money. It's like, well, we see it in the next season or next episode too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so that's, that's my take on it. He didn't right. need to do it, but it probably netted him a lot of money. And lo- I mean, obviously it looks better, right? Well, and if it failed, if it failed and he hadn't invested, he would have been out of job and would have probably been able to come back to Dunder Mifflin. Probably. Not that he would want to. Um, but because he put in all that money... Like he would have been out 10 grand. Right. right. And like if he didn't invest at all and the company went under, then he would just be out of a job. Right. 
Right. And, you know, that was a lot of their savings. We don't know exactly their finances, but they do have a mortgage. And so probably. Yeah. I feel like they're generally depicted as like straight middle to lower middle class because like they want cash for their wedding gifts. Um, You know, Pam was always like working for a raise, not because freaking administrative assistant is some type of like high title, but because it came with more money and that's why she made that play for it, you know? Right. Uh, so it always seems like they were kind of broke. Right. Uh, so this $10,000 and if they lose it, I feel like that's it. The helper Beasley's would become homeless and they'd have to eat their children. I mean, maybe, but they did say they get, get got a really good deal on the house because it was his parents' house. So they're yeah. probably only like, I would guess just knowing what I know about home prices and stuff, I'd say they're probably paying like 600 bucks a month in mortgage. Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, not for nothing. They're not in Philly. They're outside of Scranton. So whatever. Yeah, I mean, they're two hours from Philly. It's in a more depressed area. You know, it's not exactly a, you know, it's a really basic home. You know, it's probably built in the 60s and it's yeah, fine. It's got, that, it's got that great clown painting and the shag carpeting. Hey, they got rid of that painting. Yeah, that's true. But did they want to? That's the value right. of the house, man. Um, okay, so yeah, he ends up doing that. During, okay, so now let's rewind because this will happen at the same time as the thing for Andy. So we said Rockley Rob had been stealing some of Andy's thunder, claims that stories that Rockley Rob did were actually things that Andy did. Mm-hmm. Um, as so far as like the nickname, right. Andy was not the boner champ. It was Broccoli Rob, according to these young right. troubles. Now, what do you think? It's a dick move, obviously. Well, it's a dick nickname. <laughs> Jokes. This is why you come here. Read it five stars <laughs> in my tunes. See you next week. Um, I mean, I don't even understand what what is Boner Champ. Oh, best, best Boner? What are they rating it on? Straightness, curvature, length, girth? Are they balancing things on it, hanging things off it? Are they sword fighting? How do you become the Boner Champ? You bone a snowman to completion, apparently. Well, is that what they say? Uh, I definitely got the vibe that it was. Yeah, got it. Great. Well, he's the champ. You know, more power to him, I guess. I don't think I could do that. <laughs> Would you, okay, so that's that's. Let's say that's what it is. Would you, in tellings of the story, steal that and identify yourself, even though you weren't as boner champ? Is completing within a snowman worthy of you know telling lies? Well, the thing is, is that. You know, the big thing going on, and we see this with Aaron, is that these people are conflating things that are pretty minor mm. into these very, very important things. Like for whatever reason, Broccoli Rob thinks that being the boner champ is is as important is is important enough to screw over one of his quote unquote best friends. Right. Right. Yeah, uh, I mean, not, we know this is a case for Andy because he hangs on to this Cornell thing like for a long time. It's like the joke of Andy, right? Right. Um, you know, Dwight starts pretending he's going to apply at Cornell. Um, he's reminding everybody who works at Cornell. He's making fun of people who came from Dartmouth. Right. You know, uh, so we've known Andy has held, held his college experience in very high regard for some time. And yeah, it's kind of a revelation to know that the other guys in the acapella group uh, may also have the same weirdness about mm-hmm. their time at Cornell. Well, and if, like especially with uh, Broccoli Rob still living near campus, there's nothing out there. It's in mm. like Easter, the eastern part or western part of New York. Is uh, yeah, is that like where Great Gatsby lives, or it's like not even that close? I don't know. No. Uh, like it's 
really it's out that. near Rochester. <laughs> I see. You know, uh, let's see. It's in Ithaca, which is oh, so kind of over there by Karen. Yeah. It's a solid, let's see, like it's almost four hours in New York City. Wow. Like if, if you look at it, if you look at the map, it's actually farther west than Scranton is. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's in between, like, it's it's farther south, but it's in between Rochester and Syracuse. I mean, it's in the middle of nowhere. It's a lot closer to Toronto than it is to New York City. No, no, maybe not. So, But anyway, yeah, it's uh, it's in the middle of nowhere, New York. So if you're living there, I'm guessing there there's not a whole lot of industry there. Right. Well, and actually that could speak, too, to, as to why these guys hold, like, what they did at college so highly because that was their college experience. I'm like, you know, you know, in Jersey, freaking, you could drive to any other college in New Jersey to hang out with your buddies there or whatever. Right. And there is some of that, you know, you definitely see it, see it in the more uh, closed off university towns. Right. You know, Penn state is really bad about it. Um, you know, Oklahoma state can be kind of bad about it. Uh, being in Stillwater. What people like being into their college time. Yeah, because it is just so that it's just that you know it's not as much like that in Stillwater now because the city's really grown, but it used to be. But and, and people, you know, they they big, you know it was a small enough school. People are especially Cornell. That can't be that big of a school. You know, you probably if you're a big man on campus, everyone knows you. You know, you don't even have to be all that popular. I mean, everybody knows Boner Champ. That's fine. right. Well, and you know Bernard Hall. And, oh yeah, yeah, that's true. Was he? He left Bernard Hall to go walk on Bernard, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Well, so Aaron finding out that Andy wants this thing tells the boys to learn this song so that they can pull Andy up for the solo. But she doesn't specify who does the solo. She just wants the song, assuming that Andy would just jump up and take the solo. It seems like, however, because of stories that Broccoli Rob has told them, they video conference into him, him in, which is the second time we see him in this episode. Uh, to do the solo because he told them he is the soloist right. of the song. Uh, so Cornell is bigger than I thought. It's 23,000 people and it's almost $70,000 to attend a year. Pass. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So in, and Aaron is starting to really dislike this because in a weird show of um, maturity, she's like, this all seems really stupid and, you know, yeah, both of these episodes back to back, Aaron has some realizations about Andy's behavior. Right. Sure. Um, yeah, so she tries to talk him out of it. It doesn't quite work. It kind of ends in a weird place. Mm-hmm. And Andy actually even goes so far as to say, like, they can move over there. He can right. quit his job here and they can go there so he can be the close guy. And it's like, it's not great. Right. Well, I mean, <laughs> I mean with, with his experience and everything else, he could probably get a pretty good job there, like making some good money if he wanted to. Yeah. And if you wanted to work for the university, you know, it's not the, I get him spiraling and wanting to grab onto something familiar, but it's not the worst idea ever hmm. to actually like take a, you know, cause depending on the university you work for, the administrative people get paid really well. It's white people, private school. It sounds like not me. Good old publicly government state college nonsense. Uh, it depends. It just really depends. Like it, it also depends on how big the university is. Well, you shouldn't go to college anymore. That's why I say it's time to go to trade schools. You want to make lots of money, become a plumber, become an electrician. 
learn the trades. What are you going to do being the social media manager? Nothing. I do nothing, guys. Especially when the choices. He goes off and all the internet gets erased. Well, that too. Yeah. Yep. It'll be terrible. Then how do I Google? I can't. I'll be useless. I'll be the first one eaten. <laughs> Um, so, uh, yeah, so that's, that, that's great. The, there's a weird little side thing that happens near the end there where Angela, who has been dressed as, uh, well, I assume she was dressed as like Laura Bush or something. Well, see, is yeah, I, I figured yeah. it was Nancy Reagan because of, uh, cause then we see the Senator who is dressed as Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan right? So well, you have this all caps, Jacob. Did you have thoughts about this? Oh, uh, it, it's something that comes up, um, later when Angela finds out. Uh, he, he's just he's swinging it at, at, at Oscar going, he was dressed as Ronald Reagan. I see. I see. Um, Oscar sees him. He's dressed as like a dinosaur or an alligator or something. And he gets like nervous. Um, and it's a tense conversation. And um, he says the thing that he's worried about is the electoral college. He is the electoral college. Yeah, like, I, he's what? a dinosaur. Yeah. I see. Jokes. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Yeah. Toby's super creepy. Yeah. Yeah, and so Jim comes back, tells Pam she's pissed. Yep. And so that happens. And I mean, that's kind of, you know, kind of. Yeah, there's a monster mash argument that's actually about uh, Dome. Yeah, yeah, the 10,000. I mean, you can't, you just can't do what Jim does. You can't. That's just. Well, it, it's particularly bad because he starts off on the wrong foot already, having not told her, but saying, Right, absolutely, yeah. I mean, but... Like, this organ, this company is becoming synonymous with Jim's lies, basically. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, it's just, you can't do this. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I mean, that that is, like, the right up there with, like, divorce-level worthy things. Yeah. Especially once he spent the money. Yeah, because it's one thing, you know, he says he's going to do it, but he could back out. But once that money's gone, it's gone. Yeah. They're not getting it back, you know. Right. right. It's not something you can do. So, uh, what do you think? I, I like this episode. It was better than I thought it would be. Uh, you know, there's some good, good character stuff, good story stuff. We do get to see, um, oh, Dwight Jr. What's his name? Clark. Clark, he, he carries over from the, he doesn't know what's real anymore. Oh, yeah. About, like, liking what Andy likes. And he's yeah. all into Here Comes Trouble, which is pretty funny. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, so I gave it a three out of five. I love the boss's interests. Nice. Yeah, you know, we, 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 I think we spoke of this episode poorly, but I think that is a bit telling of the kind of episode it is. There's a lot of little things happening. Some of them are big. Some of them are not, you know, um, it's all fine. It all needs to happen because it's taking us to where the story's going, you know, uh, but I was so-so on it. Not super stoked. Stephen Colbert didn't do much for me. Right. There, there was a line from Aaron that was really good. It was something to the effect of, the longer you're with somebody or the more you love somebody, the more you put up with the things that make you lose self-respect for them. Yeah. So right. we start to see that start to get into her head. Like she's starting all this glitz and glamor. She sort of had around Andy. Yeah. That we saw even just a couple episodes ago with uh, ancest- the you know, Andy's ancestry yeah. and all that is starting to. I mean, work by too. Cause she was crying yeah. because he was so mean mm-hmm. to Ellie. Yeah. yeah. Right. The shine is off the apple. Yeah. So, so that being said, this is a two out of five inspirational princesses. (laughs) 
uh, yeah, it's fine. It's there. It gets us to where we need to go. But uh, I would have done it differently, or I would have preferred to have watched it done differently. I couldn't do much better. As I said, social media manager. I got no skills. All right. (laughs) Nine, episode six, The Boat. We're going to do this episode so good. (laughs) Directed by John Krasinski and written by Dan Sterling. So Oscar saw this. So we saw this exchange between Oscar and the senator at the end of the previous episode. Right. Oscar makes that's right. Oscar makes eye contact with the film crew, so he knows that this is this is a thing that they're aware of. The beginning of this episode, as he comes in, he pulls them aside to say, "Let me talk to you guys about a private matter." And he basically says the whole thing. He's having an affair with the senator. Uh, he doesn't quite, you know, know how he feels about the whole thing, but he obviously hopes that they will be professional and respectful of the secret. Mm-hmm. But then, from the shadows, at nine o'clock in the morning, presumably, um, Kevin comes popping out from behind some uh, pallets eating an ice cream cone. Looks like mint chocolate chip. Yeah. So he's got his suitcase and an ice cream cone. And he pops out, obviously having heard this admission of Oscar and drops his one scoop. And it seems like he bends down to pick it up. Yeah, he definitely he definitely goes down to pick it up, as Kevin would do. Yeah, and all Oscar can say is, Kevin, why? Oh, boy. It's, it's, uh, it's a pretty good cold open. That is iconic, but it should be. Let's talk about it more often. <laughs> yeah, so the other thing kind of going on is Iris Black, who is some kind of local radio star person mm-hmm. yeah. personality, wants to do something about Dunder Mifflin, and Dwight volunteers himself to do the interview. Yeah. He is the most qualified for whatever reason. That's right. Um, we know he's been a successful public speaker in the past. That's true. Because blood alone moves the wheels. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, Meredith starts hitting on Andy. I mean, it was only a matter of time. She's already hit on Jim. She always kind of hit on Michael. Not overtly, but more so like just as Right. Well, time. the thing with um, Andy is we had this talking head with Jim and Pam where they're like, he's handling this surprisingly competently. Right. Well, yeah, because I guess we haven't said that either. So what has happened is his father, happy Father's Day on the day that we're recording this, um, has left the family going for a much younger lady and stealing all of like the money, basically. Right. Um, And heading to Argentina, which is a non-extradition country. Right. So the whole family's kind of like in disarray. Um, Did this happen before or after that actor got in all that trouble? Yeah, I'm not too sure. I feel like before. Okay. Like he just happens not to be in this episode, you know? Right. But I was just wondering, maybe he like did the thing that he did and the writers were like, oh, we're totally going to trash that dude. Yeah. I mean, I mean, they needed a way to get Andy to do the thing that he's going to do. So I guess it makes sense to have it tied to his family. But um, I'm trying to see trivia. No, I don't see any mention of uh, it happening around the same time. Anyways, um, yeah, so it causes the whole family to be in flux, and Andy's kind of taking charge. His brother has gone to rehab for a drinking problem. His mom is kind of like in this super sad state, so Andy's control of like trying to sell things and manage Mm -hmm. their funds, basically. So that's what Jim and Pam are referring to. He's actually doing a great job. Right. And I think that's probably one reason why he snaps later Mm -hmm. is because he had just taken it all and hadn't really dealt with it so when you finally did start to deal with it it just went way overboard on um and yeah yeah i well 
I, I feel like we'll get to a place where Andy basically says what is bugging him out. And I don't think he's wrong in this specific instance. Like, I think he's handling the whole situation fine. And I think if they didn't sell the boat, he'd still be okay. But it's the selling of the boat is like the straw that breaks the camel's back for this scenario. Mm-hmm. And I think he is pretty astute at telling Aaron specifically what's bothering. Right. Uh, which I won't say now because then we will just never tell this story in the right way. But Andy does, he doesn't want to sell the boat, mm-hmm. but it kind of, he kind of has to. Yeah. But I did look it up. So sure. the boat that he, they're talking about runs between 250 and a million dollars, depending on the year and the options and stuff. Right. So it is a very nice, expensive boat. Yeah. Right. It's not a yacht, but you know. Yeah. But considering the troubles that they're having, like right. that's the way to hang on to this. Yeah. A million, you know, a million dollars in the bank is nothing to sneeze at. I could live on that for a long time. Yeah. Uh, but it's proposed that he sells the boat. So he brings together this crack team of people to be like, would you sell the boat? Right. It's like Aaron and Daryl and Jim. No, yeah, I think it's Pam. Pam. Yeah. But like, he also has this like team of lawyers. Like, why is he talking to the lawyers? Well, that too. Yeah. But it's because he doesn't trust them. You know, he trusts his family. He's done a from family. Um, but essentially, so, you know, they're all like, if you worked at this place as a kid, um, would yeah, you want? Yeah. Right. Cause like, yeah, Aaron tries to defend Andy with the whole, you know, don't you have a special place where you spent your summers vacationing? And I was like, I worked at Jiffy Lube and Aaron's all like, I bet you wouldn't sell that Jiffy Lube for all the money yeah. in the world. It's like, I would. <laughs> yeah. He's like, if I owned it. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, people obviously indicating to sell it. So Andy's having like this moment. I think he decides to sell it. And that's what makes him particularly sad. Right. Aaron tries to do watermelon teeth, which I guess are just, is just spiky watermelon rinds shoved in between your gums and your actual teeth. Right. And, you know, uh, Pete comes over and she's like, I'm trying to cheer Andy up. And he's, you know, seriously juvenile or something. And you can see Pete really trying to like, get into that like wedge out Andy because I think he can see the writing on the wall and yeah I think part of my problem with Pete is like he's he's clearly young right presumably he's as old as Jim was when we met met him in season one yeah I mean it it very much feels like first second job out of college 23 24 ish and it's unclear how old Aaron is but she seems a bit younger than Andy but not as young as Pete so it's like, I don't know, when I was 22, I looked at just like when I was 17 and when I was 12, you look at relationships very differently, you know? Mm-hmm. So 22, 23-year-old Pete here butting his nose into this, you know, upper 20s relationship with the guy who's in his mid-30s. It's like, I, it, he just comes off as annoying to me, I guess. <laughs> what's, what's going on? He's clearly into Aaron. Right. And it's like, he's no... Uh, Senior Macho Solo, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and so going back to the uh, other storyline, so Iris Black cancels the interview because there's a new yogurt stand opening in the mall, yeah. which they reference later, which yeah. I thought was pretty funny. Yep. But uh, so they decide to play a prank on Dwight because obviously. Right. So he set himself up into the break room mm-hmm. uh, to take this phone interview. Right, which... You would think he would have noticed because they do call him from the conference room that he wouldn't have like recognized the number. Yeah. Dwight being Dwight, you know. But Pam is involved. She might know the inter-office phone tricks to make it come up as private or something. That's true. That's true. Um, yeah. But and so they get Nellie to be this Iris Black. And she does her American voice. It's pretty good. 
Yeah. So they they mentioned like, hey, we're getting some like interference. Are you perhaps wearing a shirt with buttons? So they get him to take off his shirt and take off his pants. Yep. (laughs) And then they start like grilling him. Yeah. Like well past the point of like, because it's pitched as like a small business piece, basically, where they're just like, this is a local business, like support local business. Um, But instead it turns and it's talking about like, you know, (laughs) sorry, I was going to keep going like a real professional, but Jacob was scratching his ear and his headphones tried to kill himself. Yeah. It's kind of warm in here. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I know. I didn't turn my fan on. I'm probably going to die. But yeah, like growing up about like uh, investors are being lied to and um, the paper is actually toxic. Right. Well, especially when it touches oxygen. Um, right. And there's this whole thing about like the share price has dropped like 70%. Like since he's been on the call. Right. And yeah. like, I would think that Thunder Mifflin wouldn't have stock anymore. Yeah. Because they were bought by Sabre and I don't know if they were a publicly traded company and then David bought them again. And like that, that would change each of those times that that. Right. So I don't like, did they reissue stock? I don't think that Thunder Mifflin would be big enough to be traded Yeah, on the stock exchange. Like, I don't know. It, it was though. It was right. Yeah, it was. Right. Yeah. Would it be today? Yeah. Um, and, and I mean, this is a great prank really. Right. Uh, across the board for like a thousand reasons. I mean, one people keep getting involved. Um, you know, Pam ends up becoming the foreman of the paper mill or whatever. Um, Daryl is doing like live music as if this was war of the worlds. Um, Jim ends up becoming like a police commissioner or something like that. <laughs> With a very racist voice yeah, that they're very racist. not thrilled about. Yeah. Like, yeah, this David Borders guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's like, it's, it just gets so, it escalates to this point where Dwight feels the need, yeah, to finger out, finger out, that's important, <laughs> not finger, finger out David Wallace as the person behind. Well, at the beginning, he's like, he's a hands-off CEO. It's all my doing. Right, he's right here because of all the good stuff. He's trying to take credit for all the good right. stuff. Right. And then, so he just like tries to throw Wallace under the bus with the whole, yeah, it's really his fault, all this stuff. And their issue is they shouldn't have gotten Wallace that deeply involved because they were talking about how like Wallace's house had been surrounded and he had taken the mailman hostage. Well, that's the thing. I think um, when they get to this point that Dwight throws David Wallace under the bus, um, that's the peak, right? That's the prank accomplished to its fullest extent. Like Jim could die happy in that moment if it stopped. Right. But they press their luck. It keeps going. They escalate it the way you say that Wallace is now taking hostages while his home is covered in police. Um, and Dwight, instead of just happy to let that happen, decides to go and try to help the police and talk Wallace down. Right. And that's when things go sideways. Um, up until then, it was going great. <laughs> so we get this split call with David, um, but we'll come back to that. So what else is going on here? Um, so there's a third sort of storyline where... So Oscar uh, Kevin knows. asked Kevin to like, please keep a secret, all this stuff. And Kevin's like, I really want to, and please remember that. Yeah. For this entire episode, he is super paranoid about Kevin spilling the beans like he did with the chili. Yeah. Wow. Nice. Nice, dude. Um, but rightfully so, because essentially Kevin is just constantly thinking about gay sex. So every time there's some type of thing that could be insinuated as like, you know, a gay joke, Kevin is giggling. Right. But it goes so far as to Angela is describing something that's like difficult. Mm-hmm. 
something like slamming something against another thing. But because Kevin's brain is so deep into the gutter, he just <laughs> starts shouting, ew, oh my God, stop it. Um, and he runs off like, I have to go in the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, which seems to be his excuse to get out of a lot of situations. Well, have, uh, the way they talked about it, it just seemed like that's what he did. <laughs> well, that's the thing. He was lying here, but right. He seems to always have to go to the bathroom, regardless of where, even showing one time where he's almost out of the gate of the parking lot and runs inside holding his butt cheeks closed. Right. Um, yeah, and so that leads to Oscar framing Kevin for, I guess, embezzling again. Yeah, yeah, there's like fudge numbers. Um, In which Tobes thinks that uh, was his um, the gambling addiction coming back. Yeah, right. Because he was, you know, he was taking money from the coffers, you know, as we saw in the webisodes. Right, right. Um, So, I mean, this is a terrible thing Oscar's done. And it's going to get Kevin fired, possibly more. Right. And when it when it turned when Oscar turns himself in, he should have been fired. Well, that too on the spot, like not even like a second thought about it. Like peace out, hombre. Yeah, what? That's racist. Why does he got to be an hombre? Um, But uh, his saving grace is that it triggers a memory in Toby that makes him realize that he felt that the person who was convicted as a Scranton Strangler um, was framed and that he right. was corralled into voting guilty, even though he didn't actually feel that way. So Oscar letting Toby vent about this thing, uh, I think is what distracts from Oscar's own frame up. Maybe. Um, but yeah, but it's just, it's just a bunch of offensive jokes and Kevin lying at them because they're not jokes. That's why it's the laugh. Right. And so going back, you know, Aaron comes into Andy's office it is like, hey, I heard about this new yogurt place. Let's go out for lunch. Yep. And so he starts sort of unloading about how, like, you never got to sail the boat and you can't be a captain until you're a man, which apparently his dad has a really screwed up definition of what manhood is. But that's a whole other podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah. yeah. And so Aaron is like, hey, let's go take the boat out before it has to get sailed down to the Caribbean. Right, right. Uh, and he loves it. I mean, Aaron is like magnificent in this scene, right? She, yeah, she's trying so hard to help. Well, and she like reads it perfectly. She like totally fully like does the right move for Andy. And um, so my wife was like, oh, I could never be as thoughtful and inside of his Aaron's being in this moment. And it's true. She's being great. But similarly, Andy says flat out what's bothering him. Mm-hmm. In a way that I feel like most people who are upset wouldn't know that. Like he says, he's like, I'm upset because I never piloted it because my dad always stopped me. Now I'm actually running things. I'm actually the man of the house. Can't ship, uh, sail the ship. That's what bums me out. So it's, it's, it's amazing communication. It defies the laws of what's about to happen to this relationship. Right. Yeah. And, but I, I don't know. I've definitely been really upset and just had those like singular moments of absolute clarity that just go away almost like instantaneously. No, not me. I'm, I'm a whole wear my clothes in the shower kind of guy. Um, so they go. They head off uh, to take the ship, uh, the ship to sit. What was it? It's not a schooner. It's something else. Whatever it is. The boat the out. Yeah, for lunch. Um, okay. Do we keep talking about that? Sorry. I lost yeah, so it's like a sunset cruise around the harbor. And it it's not too far. It actually, it's doable. It's about two and a half hours from screen. Right. So they have to leave during lunch. They have to get there right now. Right. Um, they get there, but it seems like there's a crew who's already taking it. I guess the crew who's been paid 
to take this boat to the new owners. Correct. Um, and they bring up some good points at this moment because no one technically owns the boat. At you know, uh, there's only one crew insured to mm-hmm. pilot the boat, which is the people who've been hired. So there's a bit of a stink, and we get what I would imagine is the slapping of hands that Andy was referring to that his dad did, basically trying to raise the sail. Mm-hmm. He keeps getting slapped by this ginger son of a gun. <laughs> it's crazy. He's like, I can keep slapping. Like he slaps Andy one time. He's like, screw you, dad. Yep. Like, Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Clearly it's, it's about more than that. But um, then we see him and he's eating like a tuna sandwich or something. And, you know, see, yeah. and this, this is, you've seen the last Avengers movie, right? Yes. Okay, so spoiler warning for anyone who hasn't, but it's been out for like a month or two now, so screw you guys. Uh, but like, I, f- I had this very like in my head, like when I was watching it this time, I could see Andy needing to sail the boat as when Thor, Fat Thor is in Asgard and he calls Malmir and he, it comes. He's like, I'm still worthy. Like that was like what he was trying to do, that he could be that man. That's what it really felt like to me. First of all, Jacob, he's just Thor, okay? Just because he added a couple pounds doesn't mean he's a fat alternate version, okay? That's the God of Thunder you're talking about, so show a little respect. <laughs> um, yeah, well, so that's so. let me say this. I've obviously been very upset that Andy's going to do what he's about to do. Right. Um, he's worse when he comes back, for sure. Um, but I will say that today I watched this episode, and it all hit me in a very different way where I was not upset. Um that it was done poorly, you know? I don't like that Andy does it, but in this moment, he does it for good reasons. We end up finding his brother, Walter Jr., right, who is stowed away in where the liquor was stored, um, and he seemed to have trapped himself in that room. Um, and Aaron had just talked Andy into sailing that boat, regardless. Right. So, so he's going to sail the boat to uh, Ber- Bermuda, wherever. Bahamas. The Bahamas, yeah. <laughs> Burma. Um, and he's just like, oh, my brother's here. He should sh- sail with me or whatever. Right. But in this moment, I get it because it's not just, he's not just leaving Aaron. You know, Aaron is his unfortunate part- partner in this time where I think Andy truly needs this moment. It's him being able to declare he is the man of the Bernard family after his father has done all this stuff to him. Um, it's this way for him to bond with this brother who also his father has caused him to hate. It's not like, you know, Walter Jr. was specifically targeting Andy to make him feel inferior. Right. He was just doing these things and it was his dad who was rubbing it in. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of cathartic things that can happen if Andy does this trip. So I get it in this moment. And it's unfortunate it happens to Aaron and it could have shaken out a little differently. Yeah, I mean, like, what if you've been like, the three of us, we should go. Right, which is what Aaron proposes as Andy sails away, that she would have gone on this trip with him. Right. Um, so I get why he has to go on the trip. I wish he would have asked her. But this is not uncharacteristic of what Andy is going through in this moment. And I think it's done really well. And I think there was an opportunity for Andy to be better when he got back, which is not really what happens. But right. But it's a good moment, him leaving. Like, I get it. Mm-hmm. You know? what's, what's weird when they're leaving is Walter Jr. is playing the same song, the guitar, that was in uh, that they sang in Garden Party. That's right. The one that uh, Walter Jr. ends up taking over for Andy, right? Right. He's dead. More Than Words by Extreme. All right. Yeah. It's a great acoustic song uh, that no one knows. So <laughs> unless you're a parent. Um, yeah. So that happens. Erin uh, is upset. She goes back to the office. Pete's still there. Because um, it seems like it's the end of the day. And he asks how it is. 
Aaron says it's fine or whatever. And um, he kind of offhandedly says, hey, do you want to come out with me and my friends? Right. Um, but she's livid. So she goes. Just yeah. kind of, yeah. I mean, it makes sense, but it's also, you know, it's uh, it's upsetting. Right. Well, and, I mean, if that had just happened to me, I don't, I wouldn't have been thrilled with going like, nope. like going home alone. Cause you know, no, they probably spend most, you know, they probably spend most nights together. You would think Andy and Aaron, you know, so like I would go home. So Amanda gets on a boat, sails away to Burma or whatever. I go home alone, drop trowel, pull out my 360 controller, my Xbox one controller, PS4 controller, put the switch next to me. Okay. Bags, bags of chips everywhere if my arm can reach it there's a bag of chips jacob that's what i'm telling you the lights never come on blinds drawn curtains closed everything is up i got picture in picture going i got multiple monitors my cell phone is on silent and that's it i take myself to a magical virtual world of building structures okay of shooting people in the face which is italian for face something that i've learned from my now boat sailing wife <laughs> And then they find my body three months later because I never left the couch. <laughs> That's what I would do. But Aaron goes the other way. She ends up going out. Yeah. You got nothing, you got nothing to add to that. I guess that's not how you I do mean, it. We, huh? we, when I would have a really bad breakup, I would drink as much as I possibly could because at least when I woke up, I would be hung over too. And I didn't, like, I, there would be so much mental energy going to keep keeping myself running through the hangover that I didn't have to deal with the emotional stuff all at once. All right. That's fair. That's fair. Um, okay. Listen, different folks, different strokes. I remember like when this one girl dumped me, me and my roommate at the time, we went out, like I had like two shots of SoCo, a car bomb and a beer. Like, and that was just the first round. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's a lot. Of, that's a lot of booze. Yes, it is. <laughs> um, I haven't touched Soko since now that I think about it. <laughs> that's great. There's a brand new song called Soko Amaretto Lime. That's about as much as I know about that alcohol. It is yes. the last song in that album. Uh, okay, so back to Dwight. Ends up calling David Wallace. David Wallace and him have a conversation about how Andy uh, Dwight rather believes in him, how he's doing a great job, trusts his choices, but he needs to let the mailman go. Right, and just go to jail. And um, David Wallace, having experienced this type of conversation with Michael for many a year, Dwight also not the, you know, normalist dude. Mm -hmm. um, just like, okay, Dwight, uh, don't call my cell phone again. <laughs> Gets off the phone. Dwight comes out. Because there's another great bit too where Jim runs into the room while Dwight's on the call uh, playing up that everybody's aware that this is happening. Right. You know, it's not Dwight alone. The whole office is on pins and needles waiting to see what Dwight will do. Mm. He comes out in his underwear holding all of his clothes and everybody claps because he has saved the day. And what's great about this is one, I mean, not only is it like the best prank, I think, because everybody's just peak, you know, mm. everybody pranking is able to pull it all out. No one ruins it. Dwight is able to keep his own against these pranksters um, right. and falling fully into it and then pulling himself out of it. And that it, instead of it being just this mean thing that they're doing, it kind of becomes this thing where the pranksters had fun legitimately um, and the pranked uh, actually feels like he won something. Right. Yeah. Well, he says something to the effect of it went as about it went about as well as I thought it would. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, which is, I mean, it's just great. It's just this really nice. I mean, it's, it's almost so feel good. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. But it, there's another really funny sort of throwaway scene where we see Dwight 
in the in the break room yeah. and kevin's behind him in his wife beater and like boxers just eating chips yeah he's like what are you doing um like solidarity solidarity there yeah so last thing uh the senator comes in seems to be his thing pops in at the end of episodes to make people feel uncomfortable right um, but now this is putting presumably the secret thoughts in kevin's head at the forefront um, Oscar right. is like at the peak stress. He doesn't know what to do. He's sure it's all going to come out right now. Right. And like the Senator touches him and he flinches hard and Angel's like, what's going on? What are you doing? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of ways I would have played it differently. Like, I don't know. I threw my arm out punching somebody. So don't touch my shoulder. It's a little tender. Something like that. Something real cash like that. Um, but it's like weird and awkward. And he says he's stressed and he's tense and he's sorry he overreacted, but he's like not so. Kevin chimes in though and says, oh, it's very tense. And I'll tell you why. What's he going to say, bro? He's obviously going to tell the secret. Psych! Doesn't tell the secret. Right. Yeah, he goes on about how there's an election like what, next week? Yeah. So that's why everybody's tense. Because this thing is happening and we should all be supporting the senator and everybody in the office claps because they don't know what that was going on. Right. Kevin's like, you uh, say. Yeah, yeah, surefire way to get everybody chanting. Um, and Oscar in the talking head says he's like super proud that Kevin really stepped up in that moment. Mm-hmm. And that's the end of the episode. Just kidding, Kevin forgot. He forgot the secret. It's the only reason why he was able not to blow it. Right. And there's this great talking head like the very end with him. He's like, "Oh man, I totally forgot. Their life is a complete sham." <laughs> yeah, about Angela's life. Angela's life is a complete sham. It's messed up. <laughs> um. Okay, so that is that episode. Mm-hmm. What did you think? I liked it. It's fine. Um, you know, it gets us to the next group of episodes where Andy is sailing, mm. uh, which, you know, so we really, like, we see them in, um, like, talking head type things. Yeah. Uh, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's, so it kind of transitions and what this is the sixth episode of the season, so we're a quarter through, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So I gave it a 2.7 out of 5, screw you dads. Nice. Uh, you know, I went the other way. I gave it a 4 out of 5. Really? I, I mean, the, the, the prank on Dwight is amazing. It is. Um, I think it's one of the best. And again, I, I particularly like it because no one is the bad guy at the end of it. Like, everybody wins. Mm-hmm. Um, as opposed to having Dwight climb on, you know, the telephone pole outside where you could possibly die, even though Jim did it. Like, still mean. This is nice. So that was great. The other thing, too, is, like, I really appreciate Aaron like, growing up so much in this episode because she really takes care of Andy, and then she knows what Andy has done to her. So then she, you know, she, like, she's not moved on, but she's aware that something has to change, you know? So right. she, like, goes to hang out with Pete to see what that's about. Um... And not for nothing, because like she's still with Andy all that time until she's not, you know, she's not a bad person. But um, I don't know. I just appreciate how she behaves. And then similarly too, like I really get what Andy's going through in this scene. Right. Why, like I'll let it fly this in this moment, and I'll pick and choose the other moments leading up to it that I appreciate while ignoring stuff like him I fighting with Crosley Rob. It's done, especially with the boat. Yeah, because you get that visceral connection. And there is, I don't know, I think for a lot of boys and men, there is that that switching of how you see your dad, especially, Yeah, that happens. And 
you know, he, his worldview of his dad has been shattered. Right. And so he's like, it's time for me to do this. Yep. You know? Yeah. No. And it's like a great moment for Andy too, where like he has to, he's been living under the shadow of his brother and dad for like a long time. So he's able to do this for him. And I think it, you know, again, there was a lot of potential for him to like really come back as a changed for the better person. And, you know, I can see why, yeah, he should have done it in a better way, but I could see why he wouldn't want to take Aaron because it would feel like they were in someone else's shadow again. Like I can see that, but if yeah. you could communicate that, right. it probably would have made more sense, but it, it does seem very harsh and hasty to, to do this. Yeah, because on one hand, like, it's a thing that Andy has to go through, and it's deep-rooted in who he is for, like, way before he knew Aaron, right? Right. He shouldn't spend, or he shouldn't have to spend any of his time, like, reconciling with all of that, explaining what it is to someone. Right. But on the flip side, he wouldn't have come to this place he's at to be able to do that without her, right? He right. He him into going to see the boat. He gets him to explain why he's upset. He gets him to go on this voyage, and then she gets cut out this whole time, you know? So she, right. And, and, right. And so she's upset because she feels like she deserves more. And I, I mean, I think she, he should have taken her, but I can, I can understand his viewpoint of, I need to do this with my brother to prove that we are in fact men. Yeah. Well, so it, it's a great complicated point that gets resolved how these types of points would be as like a little sloppy, you know? Right. Um, so I really like that. It's like, to me, it was a good way to tell this story. It's why I'm so bummed about the rest of the things that happened with like the stupid acapella things and Andy just being mad at Nelly all the time, because I don't think that leads to this point. Right. It just separates him from Aaron. Mm -hmm. So, so that's what bums me out. This doesn't bum me out. I think it's done well. And, um, I I feel bad that I've been talking smack about it for three years, apparently. Well, and the other thing, like, Okay, so maybe he doesn't like sail with her, but like, hey, I'm here in the Bahamas. Here's a plane ticket. Come spend a week with me. That probably ends up pretty well. Right. And you have this vacation in paradise. You could talk about all the catharsis you just had and blah, 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 blah. And maybe I'm forgetting because I don't watch this season a lot, but isn't there a moment in a later episode where you find out that Andy's been communicating with other people in the office, but not Aaron? Correct. Right? Like he's been stopping at islands and making phone calls, but like not connecting. Well, he also, this is something that's weird and I think it's a screw up. So it's supposed to take 10 days to get down there. Right. Based on what we are told in this episode. Right. But when he's leaving, he says, I'll see you in three weeks, but he doesn't come back for three months. Yeah. I don't think that's a screw up. I think that's, that's when Andy flips. Like he stays there mm-hmm. and he does this thing and he comes back and it's why it's okay that Aaron leaves him because he like was gone he, for so long. Yeah. He needed this moment to get away, but he is selfish in staying. Right. Yeah. So I liked it. So I gave it a pretty good, I don't know how many of this season will get that high for me. <laughs> I have to differentiate it. Otherwise I'm going right down the middle. Uh, so I liked it. Well, there's, there's, a, there's some really good, there's more good episodes in this season than you realize because you've been tainted by your Andy hate. Like The Whale I, is pretty good. Dwight yeah. Christmas is good. Lice is good. Yourself is pretty good. Yeah, I don't hate Andy. I love Andy. I hate what they've done to him. <laughs> oh, no, it's true. But there are some good... I mean, they do a great job because they're wrapping up a nine-year-long show. So they do know that. Yeah. And they're getting us to these good places. There's Stair Mageddon in this season. Oh, boy. 
Yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's fine. It's all fine. Yeah, like you said, it's been tainted. We've had some lows, but next week the return of Jan Levinson. Yep. All right. Well, uh, check out our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash broken jars. Email us, broken jars broadcasting at gmail.com. Uh, broken jars at XYZ on the web. I am at Jacob Ingles on Twitter. At J A Y underscore R E Y on Twitter. J A Y underscore underscore R E Y on Instagram. Boom. I'm doing a big push on the IG. Check out my beach pics. Suck <laughs> it, nerds. <laughs> yeah, that's about it. All right, cool. Have a good good one. We'll see you all in two weeks. Two weeks.